Welcome to the March 24th edition of the PFF Forecast. You're probably listening to this on the morning of the 25th. We've got a great show in store. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna take a mea culpa. I'm gonna get uh, Eric is gonna educate me on Target, so that's gonna happen. Um, we're gonna talk about an article that Eric wrote that should be out uh, tomorrow on the 25th about middle class quarterbacks. It's very interesting. And then we're gonna do some draft stuff. We're gonna talk trades that make sense for teams in the top 10. Might do a little debate between uh, prospects that are close to one another. And then to cap it all off, playoff markets are up on DraftKings. So we're gonna go over those. It's gonna be a great show. Let's rock. I should have known it was coming. Yeah, I mean, and I think part of you likes it, you know, just a little bit. But you do need every once in a while to, like, consult with your middle America consultant, yeah. which is me. I mean, I like the finer things. I think you've contributed to that quite a bit. But I found it instructive once when Austin Gale and I had to explain to you, and I don't even think Austin being from California really understands this fully. There's a significant fraction of the, of the country that only shops at Walmart. Yeah, I don't get I, and, I don't understand So like that. Target, much like there's like a significant fraction of the country that like only when they don't make food at their house is only eating McDonald's. Yeah. So like, now, so like Target fairness, is a delicacy to a lot of people. Okay, so in fairness, so here's the deal. So this is, people got very angry. I said that the Patriots... Um, on the Sunday podcast, I said, look, the Patriots won the lottery. They had all this cap space. And instead of going and spending all of the money on nice things, they spent it all at Target. And people took that as, well, that means that you think Target sucks. Okay. All I'm saying is that when I go to Target, I'm not expecting to drop a fortune. See, I actually, I, I'm surprised you've ever been to a Target. That's I have a the story. thing. Okay. So I have a story for you. So everyone, look, I've been extremely lucky in my life. Um, I, I had a, a very wonderful um, upbringing and I, I, you know, have enjoyed um, not having to, you know, rough it a whole ton. Okay. I've worked hard and I've made it. It sounds stupid, but whatever. There was a time when I had to. Okay. So I'm fresh out of school. Um, I did Teach for America. I'm in Connecticut. I teach in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And um, I'm living in a place that's a little above my means. I don't make, don't make anything. And... Um, the only, the, the only place for me to buy food that I could afford was the Target. The Target had like this tiny little food section. They don't really sell food there. Like the produce was yeah. all like three days old. And legit, this was, my, this was my lunch, okay? It would be spinach, olive oil, lemon juice, and like chicken breasts. Which is crazy because like, so when Stephanie and I got married, I was still in grad school on a grad school stipend, which is basically like enough money to like scrape by if you don't want to take out loan. And we had like something like $500 in Target gift cards mm -hmm. for our wedding. <laughs> and so I want to say, and the craziest part, so Steph's from like more middle America than even me. So like we go to Target to buy groceries for like three months straight. And Steph's like, God, we could get such a better deal if we went and got these groceries at like an actual grocery store or Walmart. And I'm like, so to hear you say that Target was actually like the 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 inexpensive yeah. uh, sort of affordable thing. It, it's I I grew up also in a situation where like no one bought their clothes at Target, but like it was considered like a place you go to like buy things. But but you're right. I mean like. For, hey, for, for when I was a kid, I loved going to Target. But for the majority of people, when from the majority of people, it's a step up from what a lot of people deal with, right. which is like Walmart and stuff like that. Um, now, the the assumption I made is that in free agency, you think if you're buying a player, it's at least a decent player, yeah. right? So you're at least shopping at Target. Okay, I was not trying to disparage the quality of Target, only to say that if you were going to buy a really nice piece of furniture. A really not a great steak, uh, a wonderful piece of clothing. You're probably not going to Target, okay? And the, the Patriots spent the type of money that um, is overspending. 
overpaying for things yeah. to target. That's what I was getting at. And I understand, I want to apologize to anyone out there who I offended. I am not disparaging the great institution that is Target, a place that fed me for a Minneapolis, for literally uh, a Minneapolis year. brand, by the way. Yeah, a Minneapolis brand, the Target Center, um, where KG used to roam. So, KG used to roll 50 win seasons for that team in that arena, by the way. The, by the way, I think they're still the least, the lowest winning percentage in the history of the four major men's sports, the Timberwolves. Impressive. Impre it is impressive. They, uh, the former home of Andrew Wiggins, who, quote, I don't really think I'm going to get it in regard <laughs> to the vaccine. Um, which, which is, which is, you know, legend, which is Andrew moderate is. for an NBA player, given uh, what Kyrie believes. It's true. Um, okay, let's talk middle-class quarterbacks. You have a fantastic article that will be up on PFF.com on Thursday, the 25th. So depending on when you're listening to this, it may already be up. You can go check it out on PFF.com. Um, and it attacks the middle-class quarterback. So give us a sense of the angle there. I think people hear middle-class quarterbacks, and some people will get very um, – will say oh they suck some people will go oh how dare you call my quarterback a middle-class quarterback there's a lot of angles that people attack this from yeah i mean the thing is is there's been very little in the way of essentially quarterbacks that can serve as a bridge in the nfl mm -hmm. um and that has led so last season for example there was if you throw Taysom hill out there was a huge chasm between Joe Burrow, who was making $9 million per year as the number one overall pick in the draft, and Teddy Bridgewater, who was making something like 25 and a half. There was no quarterback, uh, starting quarterback in the NFL that was making in between any of those guys. So that was a $10 million sort of jump up uh, going from essentially, you know, you're drafting a guy, taking all the risks associated with that, which, you know, if you talk to any... If you talk to any fan of a team who has like a Kirk Cousins, a Jared Goff, a Matthew Stafford, a you know Jimmy Garoppolo, any of those quarterbacks, they'll say, well, you can't just keep drafting guys because they fail. And then there's obviously the issue of like the trope that like no one's ever won a Super Bowl with a quarterback making this percentage of the cap since 1994 when the cap is instituted. So there's this really big paradox of you need to have a quarterback on a rookie deal so that you can, and I, I talk about this in the in the in the article. The quarterback is a long shot bet, and you surround him with a bunch of sh a bunch of favorites, mm -hmm. right? So when that one long and and it's easier to hit one long shot bet than obviously to parlay a bunch of them, which is what you're doing when you sign a heavy you know a, a heavily paid quarterback. Let's say like a Jimmy G. If you have a Jimmy G in place, then the surrounding players are more like long shots. You need to hit on a Brandon Ayuk. You need to hit on a Debo Samuel. You need to make sure George Kittle's healthy, right? Et cetera, et cetera. And that happens certainly, but it's extremely hard. The payoff is so much better when you go with like Mahomes and then you overpay for Sammy Watkins. You, mm -hmm. over, you, you spend up on Hill, you spend up on Mitchell Schwartz, you spend up on, like all those bets are favorites to at least do okay, right? And then when you hit on the long shot, it's great. Now the issue is, you don't always hit on the quarterback, right? Like there's Sam Darnold, there's uh, there, Jared, there's uh, Jared Goff, Goff as Carson we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. And the problem is there's no alternative to this either or situation. You either have to go in and take on this rookie deal and everything that it, that it gives rise to, or you have to do what Minnesota did, or you have to do what you know, uh, all these guys, you know, essentially what Minnesota did was you have a ready-made roster and you're not, you're too afraid to draft a guy because you don't want to waste it. So, but then there's no guy making 15 million a year, mm -hmm. right? That's a startable quarterback. So then you have to reach up for the 35 million a year. And we've seen what's happening now that 35 million a year chips away at your ability to maintain a roster. So what I, what I talked about in the article is this is changing this year. You have Andy Dalton making ten million a year, which is basically the APY for the top. Yeah, pick I don't in the know draft. if you saw this. He's training by boxing, so yeah. look out. Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, float like a butterfly. You have Jam like Jameis Winston. You have starters now who are making in that ten to fifteen range, which is great because, like, let's say you're Chicago, and we we ding Chicago a ton on this show. Mm -hmm. But Chicago has a pretty good roster. They have a roster that's good enough to make the playoffs two of the last three years, despite having Mitch Trubisky. 
So you don't want to dismantle that roster to sign a or, or to trade, let's say, for a guy like mm-hmm. Russell Wilson. Yep. So you go into the marketplace and you say, okay, let's get Dalton for what a first-round quarterback would cost, but you don't necessarily have the variance associated with taking a quarterback in the top 50, nor do you have to trade nor up Nor do you have it. to trade up. Exactly. It's, it's so interesting because you we have talked about for a long time, and I've maintained this, that there is a real conundrum between the motivation of the people that are making the decisions and what the right decision should be. In other words, if I'm the if I'm the GM, right? If we're the GM of a team, we care about our jobs, you know? And the pressures that are being put upon us from ownership are not always owners are not the smartest decision makers from a football perspective in the organization. So you have this pressure on you, I got to keep my job, and what appeases the owner is probably not saying, look, we're just never going to spend on a quarterback until we find the one. And the but one is hard. The one is hard. So you go, look, I have to be honest with you. It may mean we draft five quarterbacks until we find that one. And you're probably going to get shot back with, listen, I'm sorry, buddy. I got to put asses in the seats. So you can't keep, you can't keep doing this. And or I can't explain this to Khalil Mack or I can't explain this right. to Allen Robinson or I can't explain this to Terry McLaurin or the guy I just signed, Curtis Samuel, or, you know, like if you're Washington or Chicago, what is the alternative? Like, let's say Fitzpatrick or Dalton were going. Let's say this was like the, the Bridgewater thing, where they were only they, the minimum was twenty million a year. Well, you're paying twice as much now to essentially appease. Like, that's just an extremely big ask. And you're, you know, we talk about taking shots with quarterbacks. You know, if you're Chicago and you're at twenty, that's a scary place to pick a quarterback. So you're either trading up, which you know if. It, I don't have a problem with, but it may not be available to you. And if you're sitting there and you go, look, we can't trade up. Our options are to pay 25 million or to just, you know, have a, a truly replacement level player. I'm obviously going to pay yeah. because that's what my owner wants. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Is this because right now in the NFL, we have better quarterback play than ever before? I think it can be. I also think that we, so it's a couple things. I think it's a, I think, Teams have seen, and there's this there's a great article on ESPN.com by um, I gotta get this Lindsay Theory. Who, there you go. Who um, who talks about the Jared Goff situation mm-hmm. in L.A. and we have the Goff situation in L.A. We have the Kirk Cousins situation in Minnesota. We mm-hmm. have the Carson Wentz situation in Philadelphia. Um, the, there have been situations. So there, there's a money quote in this in this uh, in this article, which I associated with the whole thing. But there was a, a discussion here which says, um, with a mega payday looming for Kansas City Chiefs quarterback yeah. Patrick Mahomes, the Rams wanted to get ahead of the market and re-sign Goff despite two seasons remaining on his rookie. So you basically me. said, okay, the worst thing that can happen to us is. Goff continues to play this well, mm-hmm. and Mahomes signs the deal that he signs, and we have to pay so much. So the, the worst outcome is that he plays so well that we have to pay him like we pay Mahomes, which to me just seems so backwards, right? Because Goff is who he is, and if you can't evaluate him and say and say You're he— You're dead on. You're dead on. Like if you, think about this. It was the same thing with Prescott, too, by if the way. He, if you— if he is as good as Mahomes, then it doesn't matter what you pay him. You're yeah. getting a deal. Yeah. If you are if you are saying, look, I'm so afraid that we're going to have to pay, that he's going to be as good as Mahomes, that's your worry? Yeah. Like th- that thinking to me is so backwards. And this article, I want to ask you this because I'm reading this article and um, you go into it with preconceived notions, obviously. I like Sean McVay. I think there are a lot of things that he does culturally that I've always felt really strongly about. And both you and I both manage people as part of our like main job, right? Mm-hmm. And you are a super hardworking and self-critical person. So I, I know that you and I are probably similar in this way. But like, we care a lot about how we manage the people that work for us. I spend more time second guessing and thinking about things mm-hmm. that I've done that probably the people I did them with don't even think about. Yeah. And so I, I admire you know McVeigh's management structure. What stuck out to me most about this article was the number of anonymous sources from the Rams that had quotes in here. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and I, I, think, I don't know what it means. I don't know if I should think this is this is not a good look for McVeigh because this many people are willing to say, look, I don't want my name out there, but I'm willing to talk to you. Well, I think the problem is that everything that, that a lot of the things that happened here have been mixed messages. Hmm. So, and again, like we're every single person in their professional life makes mistakes. So when we point out that the golf thing is a mistake, we're not saying that Les Snead is bad at his job or he's a bad person or whatever. But here's here's the deal. Like when when you when you trade was it six picks to go up and get Jared Goff? Mm -hmm. Like there's a possibility you made a mistake. And then when he goes 0 and 7 in his first year, there's a possibility you made a mistake. When you sign Sean McVay when he's my age, mm -hmm to be the head coach of the team, there's a chance you made a mistake. And it and and when he plays well, but he fails in the biggest moment of his career, which is the Super Bowl against New England. And in that same time period, you still sign him to the to the sign stamp of approval first, you know, quarterback for franchise for this team, there there's a there's an exuding of we made the right choice. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like I had a, a an advisor in grad school who said proof by intimidation is not a valid proof technique, and it's the same thing here. Like it's a bummer. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of leaning over the table and saying, right? I you know yep. I got this you know, and once the data starts coming in and maybe there's a little bit of a question mark as far as whether this whole thing was the right move, I think people get a little bit worried about being about be about just questioning those decisions because yep. they're very unilateral right there these these decisions are very unilateral and and i'm and i'm assuming that the the quotes are people who have contributed to the process but they ultimately don't get to say and one thing we know from talking to people is that these things are not unanimous no. and people are willing to say like look i didn't agree with this yeah. you know i'm i'm a i'm a x but i i don't agree necessarily with everything that x has done and to me, that was the thing that it struck by. But the the point remains here, right? The fact that the Rams did not think that there was an option, the the Mahomes thing, like let's say, like, and this is what I'll give John Elway a ton of credit. John Elway had a price for Osweiler, and once it got to that price, he said, forget it. And he's and look, Denver hasn't played a playoff game since. So you could be like, oh, well, that you you saw the ass end of that. But at least he at least he gave himself an out. The Rams already thought with Goff still two years and and the like the fifth year like the one year and then the fifth year option you had tons of leverage there, and instead of using that you said well I have we have two options we have going back to the rookie quarterback pool or signing this guy to Mahomes minus epsilon, that's our only two options and it's like if there was a middle class can you imagine so I, I, here's a thought experiment. Fitzmagic plays for the Rams last year. What's their record? I, I don't. Now people are going to get angry at me here. Um, last year, Ryan Fitzpatrick rated better than Jared Goff. Yeah. And and here's the thing that I want to bring up because I, I was trying to. Okay. Now do Dalton. I, I think, think it's the same record. I think Dalton and Goff are like the same guy, the same freaking guy, except that Goff. The thing with Goff that seems to irk McVeigh are two twofold. The first is he doesn't think he can run like quick game well. Okay, mm. he thinks his his um, his motion is a little long, and that's not conducive to to running that. Um, the second thing is that he doesn't diagnose coverage as well, and that is borne out in the data. When things are perfect, when when 2018, when he was under pressure only 31% of the time, when his offensive yeah. line was just in perfect shape, when he was in a clean pocket, the dude was fantastic. 113 pass rating from a clean pocket. Under pressure, he's been abysmal forever. The whole time. Uh, the whole time. And here's what else I found really interesting. And this is, I'm just looking at the quarterback annual that you can get on pff.com with an edge subscription. The blitz is something that every good quarterback destroys. We, we didn't go a podcast this year yeah, without yeah. talking about Mahomes versus the blitz. Yeah, yeah. Mahomes torches the blitz. And he did it regardless of how good the things were around him. Jared Goff has had one year with a pass rating above average against the blitz yeah he does not deal with things that he doesn't know are coming well and and mcveigh i think was frustrated because he goes look i'm working my ass off to scheme the shit up can you not come up with one play a game but that's the thing i think is the problem and we talk about this with shanahan we talk about this with these 
with the coaches that like to control. Because here's the thing. Don't you dare put Kyle Shanahan in that. But here, here's the thing. London cabbies, right? They have like the best brain chemistry of like, or like brain activity yeah. of literally anybody that's ever been on a brain scan. Do you know, have, have you, I still don't know how to get to Neil's house without my GPS. After three you're, years. You're terrible. With after you. three years of living. I, okay. Sidebar. Eric, one of my dearest friends in the whole world, you would be the last person. I, I have some friends that couldn't navigate yes. shit for shit. And you would still be the last but person the I would thing. pick. To but when I was a kid, streets. like, so I, I started driving in 2002. And you this got is, lost on your way to your house from the airport when yeah. you picked me up. The, the, and and that, that's my predisposition. And I think golf has that predisposition. But here's the thing. When you had, he had like, there were, there, they were edging themselves about how McVeigh was in Goss ear until 15 seconds, right? Mm -hmm. If you never let the guy learn, like if I, if I needed to, if I said, if they said, Eric, you can't have GPS for mm -hmm. a whole year, I still wouldn't have great navigation skills, but I'd figure out how to get to my house. Yes. And, and that's, to me, I think the difference between, and again, you always bring this back, but it was the difference between Holmgren and Favre. It was the difference between Mahomes and Reed. It was the difference between like these uh, Bill Walsh, Mike Holmgren, Steve Young, and Joe Montana. Like they all eventually learned. They all eventually had the 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 time where the training wheels went off. And to me, it was like, and it, it was just like teaching too, right? If you gave, if every time a student came to you, you just gave them the answer. And then they take a test and they bomb and you're like, well, what the hell? I'm, I'm teaching them really well. It's like, no, you never let the guy sink or swim. And I get that because, again, control freaks, they like they want to be able to control everything. But ultimately, there's a limit to that, right? Once the edge dried up in, in McVeigh's offense, like now he wanted Goff to be able to like make up for the fact that he wasn't perfect out there. And he just – he never prepared him to do so. I – you're a hundred percent correct, and um, this is the this is where I'm starting to question the McVeigh management, you know, and culture that he's built. Because I I have seen this in my own line of work. If you do not give a person the freedom to do what you've asked them to do and to make mistakes and to say we're going to learn from them and we're going to get better, then they are going to fail. You cannot do everything for everyone all the time. And it, you, it's hard for control freaks to do because you always go, I can do it better. Yeah. And you go, well, listen, motherfucker, you can't do everything yeah. better or you're going to die. And I think that's what happened here. And I, I want to pose a question to you. Last year, his average depth of target, Jared Goff's average depth of target decreased by 1.2 yards yeah. from 8 to 6.8. Do you think that that was somewhat intentional? In other words, there was a, look, I can't trust you to do anything. So you know what we're going to do? We're going to neuter you. You're not going to be good at throwing short passes. You're not going to be Drew Brees, but we're going to make you do it anyways. I, so, and you know what? And then, and if you can do it and you can adapt, great. If not, see ya. So, so I was actually, so I, I told, I can't remember who I told this, but like one of the things that I do to sort of like get ideas is I watch old games and I, I watch old clips of the NFL and I sort of noticed this trend of when, so back in the day, superstar quarterbacks used to throw a lot more interceptions. Like there would be a year where Favre would have, you know, even Phillip Rivers would have like 23 one year or right. Favre would have 29 one year. It was almost always followed. And we didn't have the data back then, but I'm just inferring here. Mm -hmm. It was always followed by a year with way fewer interceptions, but a way smaller yards per attempt. Meaning that the team went into the season saying, Listen. we're going to limit mistakes at the expense of efficiency, right? Yeah. The anti-Jameis, really. And you clearly saw that. And was it like, golf was not like a turnover machine in 2019, mm -hmm. but he certainly wasn't like, it, he. the juice wasn't worth the squeeze for him. So then they they certainly clamped down on him this year and you noticed it. Um, there were And there were some master classes. The, the game plan that McVay had against Tampa Bay on that Monday night was amazing. Mm -hmm. the, the game plan he had in the first quarter and a half of the opening game against Dallas was wonderful too. There, there were there were certainly aspects where he said like I have to do this and I have, but defense is adjusted and they continue to yeah. adjust. And to me, like that's what the promise of Stafford is. The question then is, will McVeigh take a little bit off as far as the the management style on Stafford, and will Stafford be able to play well if that's the case? You know, to answer my own question, I go to. Whenever we want to answer a question, there's one person we go to. It's it's Timo Risque. 
Okay. And in the quarterback annual, you can see Timo's heat maps. And yeah. what he does is he's got the target zones where the routes and the route concepts are targeting above or below average and the targets. And I think it's very interesting. There is one area of the field that the Rams targeted, uh, sorry, that the Rams attacked very often. It was between 10 and 15 yards in the middle of the field. And that was pre last year? No, that was last year. Oh. And that was, it, it's red on his, on the attack zones. They attacked it with routes. Jared Goff never fucking threw. And so they ran the routes there, but he didn't, he, but was... he didn't throw. Them. And so I want, I want to blame one party and ultimately I can't. And I, I think both these guys we have to remember are really young. Sean McVay is really fucking young. And I have made, he's not that much older than I am. I have made so many mistakes from a management perspective. And the problem is, is that the, the magnifying glass here for McVay is, is obviously yeah. on him. And so I, I think he's got to, you know, I we're, don't we're, think we're we coming can place from a, we're the coming, blame on one, yeah. on one person. As the article says, I mean, in the first four years of Jared Goff and McVay, they won 42 games, which is second only to Brady. I mean, we're, we're, we're coming from a place of like, I mean, this team currently is, I think, third or fourth in Super Bowl odds. We're really asking, I think they're six now. We're really asking, like, can they win the Super Bowl? We're right. not saying, is is you try or Sean McVay. We're also trying to see, like, you put a huge amount of investment in Jared Goff and had to unload him as well as other draft picks. We're really examining that. We're not saying, does Sean McVay have a, uh, have right. a long but for this NFL this career? A, no, no, no. It's a fascinating a thought experiment. And it's why I said, you know, it's one of the reasons that I think Kyle Shanahan is on a different level than Sean McVay. And I think that had a part to play in McVay. McVay feels a rivalry with Shanahan yeah. and he should. And, and they right, got, they've gotten swept by them the last two years. Right now, Shanahan's on a different level. His I mean, scheme and what he gets out of his quarterback is on a different level. And it'll be interesting to see how McVay combats that this year. And, um, and, and you know, what's really interesting is I think this is really we'll see if this teaches anyone anything because we have quarterbacks that are due for extensions, right? And we're going to see how that impacts yeah, yeah. that thought process with that. I mean, with think about Wentz Cleveland. Think about Cleveland. If there is a situation and, and it, from all accounts, it seems like uh, Stefanski is just like a, it is sort of a leader in the way. I mean, to your point, like there, it's so hard to lead people because you want to give them the freedom to have success, but you also want to be able to steer them it, you want to be the, obviously the thing is to trick them into into doing into it being their own idea the whole time. You know what I mean? And like yeah, you're a there's, facilitator. There's a ton, yeah. yeah, exactly. But that but sometimes that can get. That's why I've always praised Reed because and and Holmgren back when it was Favre. It's like the thing got out of control a few times, right? And to have the I would say um, personal like it takes some humility to let somebody go and have success when that success isn't necessarily as tied to you as you want it to be. Mm -hmm. And obviously with McVeigh, I was, there's also this, like, I would say self-consciousness about like the, this idea, like if I let this thing go and it doesn't, and it doesn't happen the way I want it to, the, the, the spotlight's still on me. And so I fail, you know what I mean? Yep. It's really hard. And, and, and golf, you know, and golf can be, look, I'm not saying golf kind of reminds me a little bit of Alex Smith. So, so, you know, I, I, there, there was a, there was a, somebody who in the league told me about Alex Smith, somebody, a phrase that I thought was a really good one. He said, the great quarterbacks are gray players. Alex Smith is a black and white player. So if Alex decides he's going to run on a play that heads on the, in that heads looking at the ground and he's going to sprint and he's a great athlete. So he'll pick up the yards, but he's not looking up and throwing to a wide open receiver who breaks open, right? If he decides he's going to throw on a play, or if, he, if he's throwing the quick slant, he's throwing the quick slant. If that linebacker's in the way, it's a pick, right? And I see golf in that kind of situation. I yeah, see, absolutely. like, when, when you tell me I that the, the, kind of the routes are being run over the middle of the field and he's not throwing them, it's because McVay has been like, I don't want to see turnovers. I don't want to see turnovers. Yeah, absolutely. I don't want to see turnovers. That's what and McVay he's thinking to himself, I can't have turn. turnovers. I can't right? turnovers. Right? Uh, golf is the golfer. This is the best analogy I made. This is better than my target analogy, I promise you. Goff turned into the golfer who, when he gets to up to hit the ball, is thinking, "Don't shank it." Exactly. Yeah, and and the and the problem and the thing is, is golf is played in the NFL for what? Five, this is year five. Mm -hmm. Alex Smith took forever to actually be good, and he and it required a great coach in Harbaugh to really put him in position to have mm -hmm. some success. 
I think that's probably where Goff's career is going to go. <laughs> Who knows if if Detroit will be the place where that is facilitated, or maybe it's another one. Maybe he ends up being one of these middle class quarterbacks where, you know, like let's say you're a ready made team, but your first round draft pick failed, or you you're not quite ready to go up and get, you know, that yep. that free agent QB. You don't want to pay him thirty five million, and you just want to say, okay, if I pay Goff ten million, I'm at least going to get. I on average, I'm going to get what the first overall pick is going to get me during his rookie year. And, and that's a pretty good bargain. I, you know, I, I I think that's eventually his destination, which, you know, that's a that's a good lot. I mean, you look at how Fitzpatrick's Yeah, look, I, I would take uh, the salary that, yeah. that Goff will get um, doing that. And, and, and I think what you highlight there is how hard it is to support failure. In other words, make mistakes and learn from them. It's a really tough thing. I think the great coaches do it. And... Um, and it's not saying that McVay can't eventually, but I think that was a that was a pitfall here. And it'd be very fast. Look, Stafford's not going to McVay's going to coach longer than Stafford's going to play. I think, right? So we're going to get to see McVay do this again, and that's what I'm really looking forward to. All right, we're going to do some draft talk here. It's going to be fantastic. Talk trades in the first round. We'll either or for different players. It's going to be a lot of fun. But before we get there got to tell you about a really cool thing that PFF's partnered with. It's called Symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L. You can go check it out on symbol.app and uh, slash PFF, by the way. And what it is, is it's basically a stock market for sports teams. You can buy shares in NFL teams and basketball, NBA teams, NHL teams, whatever the hell you want. And you can make money. You can either trade those shares when people want them and they go up in value, or you can collect a dividend when those teams win games. Now, here's the kicker. You go deposit $10, use promo code PFF, and you will get a free PFF annual subscription, okay? $40 value for 10 bucks, and you get to go invest those $10. Let me ask you this. Stocks you're buying right now. Stocks I have bought already on oh. Symbol. Denver Broncos, Carolina Panthers. Um, I think they just have a shot. I have purchased many shares of the Washington football team. I'm not proud of it. But I have sim football team or just, no, it's just called sim football, sim football. I mean, how pure is that? It's so pure. So go to symbol.app slash PFF, use promo code PFF and get a free annual PFF subscription with a $10 deposit. Go make it happen. Last thing I've got to tell you guys about before we get to this uh, draft talk is the DraftKings Sportsbook promo. Okay. It's March Madness and they have a fantastic one here for you. Use promo code PFF when you sign up at DraftKings Sportsbook, and you can bet $1 to $100 on any basketball team. So I'm telling you this, just go do it on Gonzaga, okay? Gonzaga might lose to a Pac-12 team at some point. In fact, I think they will. But, well, you can make it happen. Go make it happen. Get your $100, and then go bet them on draft props or futures. We're going to talk about play playoff market futures here in a second. You can also get those same 1 to 100 odds, uh, sorry, 100 to 1 odds on UFC 260. Download the sports uh, DraftKings Sportsbook app now, promo code PFF, and get that 100 to 1 odds. You must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers uh, are the only that are eligible. Research supply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. If you have a gaming problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. And last but not least, go to PFF. Get yourself a PFF subscription. The Edge subscription. It's only $40 for a whole freaking year. It gets you the draft guide. It gets you the big board. That's what you need for the next three months. And then it will set you up for fantasy season all the way through the end of next football season. Go make it happen. If you love betting, go get an elite subscription. You'll get the props tool, the betting dashboards, and the DFS optimizer. Okay, now, draft talk. All right, we're going to transition. That was a, that took longer. I thought that was a good discussion, so I let it run. Um, we're going to talk a little draft here. There are going to be trades in the top 10. It's going to happen. And uh, we want to talk about the ones that might make the most sense. And um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead off, and what we'll do is we'll kind of intersperse some discussion about which players make sense and maybe have some debate on, you know, player versus player. You never know. Could happen. Um, I'm, I'm going to bring one up first, and that's going to involve the second pick. And I actually am going to make the case here for the Philadelphia Eagles to go up and try and get the second pick. I think we've talked about them going to the third pick or, you know, try, but I don't know that anyone's really mentioned them trying to go all the way up and get Zach Wilson. 
But I'm of the belief, and I'm curious if you are, that there is a tier that's Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, and whether you have them ordered one way or the other, that's fine. But then there's a drop-off. And um, if I am the Eagles, I am making, I'm being aggressive. I see weakness in the Jets, and I'm going to get Zach Wilson. Well, we saw the Corey Davis thing. Do you believe any of the statements that he said that uh, he exp he signed with the understanding that Darnold was the quarterback? I mean, do, does that sway your opinion at all? Does it? What do you? Oh, no. So, it, like Zach Wilson is currently he went from minus three hundred five. So he went up to minus three hundred five to be the second pick. Yep. He's currently minus two hundred, which those aren't that big. That's not that big of a swing, but it's certainly something where. It, we, we're not seeing a lock to, uh, at quarterback to the Jets. If you look, for example, team to draft player, the Jets to draft um, uh, Justin Fields, which I think is a proxy for you know Jets to take a QB, is, plus, is five to one, right? So like there, there is some, I think, probability shoved in there for the Jets to trade out of the pick. Now, does, does it come at the expense so you look at the eagles we're just talking about how a team overreacting to noise in many ways the eagles have already in in the last decade traded a significant number of picks to move up to the second pick to take a quarterback who was really a one-year wonder and went to a small school and blew up in his face and blew up in their face i mean not really they won a super bowl but like you know are they are do you think that that's really their their eventual destination, given that they are a team? Is, how many rosters in the NFL are worse top to bottom than the Eagles? That's a great point, and and that is one of the reasons that I would I would press pause on them going aggressively to draft a quarterback. But I'll say this: Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence, I think, are both deserving of the number one pick. And every year someone's going to convince themselves that there are quarterbacks worthy of the number one pick i don't know that you can be so sure in the next couple of years you will have that opportunity everyone goes oh no wait till next yeah. year these these two quarterback um prospects are phenomenal so um i, I it, it's one that i really like it's one that i haven't um heard and here's the thing if you go to pff.com and use the mock draft sim is a new feature you can see most drafted by a team for each player I did not expect this to be the case. The Eagles are act actually the third most frequent team to draft Zach Wilson. It's in there. It's percolating a little bit. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I'll say this. I, I think, I don't think the Eagles are the type of organization not to do that just because they did it before. But I think that there's a, there's a fairly, there, there's, there's a little bit of a correlation there. Um, but it, the, the thing is, I think that the Eagles are ready to sort of, play Jalen Hurts one year. I, I think that's more likely than we believe. I agree. And, so and I'm keep a, their picks. I'm a Jalen, remember, Jalen Hurts believer. Um, okay, give me, a, give me a trade that you think makes sense. Uh, I, I, I like the second position as a trade possibility. I'm, tell, um, I'm telling you, I told you the Jets were going to find a way to convince themselves to stick with Darnold. It's going to fucking happen. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating. Um, I, I, yeah, I think Carolina is going to make a move. I think it's the same thing that we say in our in our um, mock drafts. Because because look at this, like look at the way Carolina has acted in free agency. They got two tackles, both suck, but yeah, or one tack. I mean, who cares what position Pat Alfline plays at? He's going to suck at his normal position, so he might you know. But the the they're they they drafted all defense last year. Mm -hmm. um, they got Anderson in place. They lost Samuel, so that that might be an incentive for them to stay at eight and take a, a wide receiver. But like Bridgewater's not the guy, and 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 Rule has not really said many good things about Bridgewater um, for a while. Brady, like let let's put it this way: if you are the arts mock and you waste two Joe Brady years on Bridgewater and then he goes and becomes a head coach. Like that's a massive failure. Yep. So he's at least, that's, I'm telling you it's the Falcons with Dan Quinn and Kyle Shanahan <laughs> all fucking over. So, so I think that they're going to, I think that they're going to go up and get Zach Wilson. Um, the crazy thing is it's going to be another highly drafted quarterback. Who's probably going to have a decent year as a, as a rookie, the offense coordinator is going to move on. And then they're going to have to play year two with another offensive coordinator. Can I just say this though. That's my favorite one. I, the Carolina Panthers, and this we had this in our mock draft, so don't act like we haven't been on this. Yeah, 
the Zach Wilson Joe Brady combo is my favorite. It's my favorite, and um, yeah, it might only be for one year. But God damn, that would be beautiful. Mm-hmm. I don't know that there's a better, you know, you look at the team. So we just talked about the Eagles. The Eagles, as you said, are barren in terms of talent. Um, the, the the Lions as well. I love, I don't think this is a possibility, but I love the Broncos going up and getting Zach Wilson as well because of all the weapons Wilson is like splitting the difference between the question we asked the other day, which is, would you rather have Lance or Mac Jones? The answer with, with Wilson is yes. Yes. <laughs> the answer is yes. I and and really what is so here's a question and I, it brings up a great other great question about denver by the way denver went the entire trump administration without beating a couple of their division rivals which is kind of crazy like they need a quarterback to yeah, i mean going 20 years yeah, yeah. not beating a division rival uh, is interesting so so they one of the curses of actually hitting on draft picks is you got to sign them all at the same fucking time mm-hmm. like it's what minnesota had to do with it yeah, yeah. so like I don't think it's as bad for them to trade picks because they have so many, right? Like if they're, if they have to pay, let's say they have to pay Sutton and then two years later have to pay Judy, like there are obligations and they don't have to have, right? If they trade some picks, like there are some staggering there that helps them. So for them to move up and get Wilson makes a lot of sense and it puts them in a position where I mean you look at that defense you look at Fangio you look at like we talked about this a couple weeks ago you look at all like Fangio learning from Staley versus the other way around being able to deploy that defense they just got Kareem Jackson back which I think is low-key also just a booster for that team it may that's that's the to me if if he went there Wilson is easily the favorite of all the quarterbacks to make the playoffs. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. 1,000%. Um, and we're going to talk about the, the playoff markets here in a second. I, I love both of those because I think he would go in there and immediately be fantastic. Here. Let me ask you this, though. What do you think the chances are that the fourth pick is actually the pivot position? Like, that the Jets stay at two and go, look, we cannot not stay at the – we don't get the second pick very yeah. often. We're taking – Penesul. I mean, that would be incredible, moving to right tackle. Uh, you know, the reason I think they'll trade out of it is because they, they just had, got Becton. But let's say they stay there. And Salah's not an idiot. And Joe, Joe Douglas and Salah are not, like, stupid. No, that's, that's the other thing. But, what, like, if it gets to four, if the Dolphins stay at three and it gets to four, man – the no. Falcons have an interesting. Decision. I mean, they just put this market up on DraftKings Sportsbook. Justin Fields, the favorite to select Justin Fields is the Atlanta Falcons. Wow. Followed by the San Francisco 49ers. So the Falcons are plus 250. The Niners are plus 450. The Carolina Panthers are five to one. And the Jets are five to one, as we talked about there. Broncos six to one. So they're, I guess, and and again, this I think this is just like a there, I mean, I have to look at the hold percentage. There's like 70% hold. So, like, these are bad markets. Yeah. Like, you're, you know, they, these as far, they're not sharp. But, like, at the same time, that's crazy. Because the Falcons literally just spread out uh, Matt Ryan's deal to the point where, mm-hmm. like, most of the edge is going to dry up yep. of having a rookie playing. quarterback, you know, for two years while you're paying a guy like Ryan all that money. Like, I, yeah, I think the Falcons position is a pivot position the the question becomes it honestly is whether Chase or Sewell go ahead of one of the quarterbacks because if it gets I do think there's a situation where if it goes quarterback 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 which has not happened since 1999 quarterback 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 Falcons are sitting there they might take Chase they might take Chase like we said in our mock and got mocked for they could take Sewell right and have him play um, right tackle with Jake Matthews please they left. take Jamar Chase. I will have no shirt on and will yeah. be running around the but, studio. But they might not see – they might think that they have – it's weird, man. They might think that they have a, a good position there um, the, the interesting and, move, thing, and move that pick. I don't the know. The interesting thing is that there are no stud defensive players. So some of these teams where their defense sucks, you're like, well, it's going to be really hard. I mean, Caleb Farley just had that back surgery, which is going to hurt him. J.C. Horn just at a pro day pro- – I want to tweet this out. You know how there's that picture of um, – LeBron James where his hair is like completely thinning out. Yeah. So like that's you at the combine. You at your pro day is when LeBron is on Space Jam and he's got like a completely new hairdo and you're like, 
the JC Horn was basically yeah, it's Kevin from the office with the, with the, with the hair, <laughs> yes, hair piece. Yes. He basically turned into Jalen Ramsey at his pro day, but there are no really great defensive players. So a team like the Falcons, whose defense sucks, is sitting there going, well, we've got to take Jamar Chase. Let me ask you this. Because um, I, I think there's some... Caleb Farley, by the way, the last time we talked, was even money to be the first cornerback now, plus 250. J.C. Horn, Horn down to 3-1. to one You as, are so smart there. I'm an idiot. I, I should have listened. Um, let me ask you this. Would you, you Let's say Jamar Chase is gone now, and you're not taking a quarterback. Would you rather take Jalen Waddell, Devontae Smith, or Kyle Pitts? Kyle Pitts. The position scarce. So knowing that tight end is a failure in the top 10 most of the time, I'd still take him because of the because of the athletic mismatch he represents, because of the issues you've had at the position, um, because of you know essentially that offense that they run, which mm -hmm. requires a tight end um, to do well. I'd take I'd take Pitts if I'm Atlanta. I or I'd take him at four. I if it, the, to me the position scarcity thing is so massive. I agree with you. I agree with you, and I'm going to use this to give another swat to the face of patriots fans the patriots went out and gave Johnu smith he of 480 receiving yards last year <laughs> they gave him the gold the frankincense and the myrrh okay they gave him the whole fucking thing the myrrh was left for uh hunter yeah. henry the next yeah. day <laughs> imagine if kyle pitts slips and you're sitting there and you could you could maybe trade up I a know. few picks just to get kyle pitts who's look Kyle Pitts is fantastic, and there's no doubt in my mind. I think that he's, he's like be better he, than Johnu Smith. He's like a Andy. Travis Kelsey like play. I mean, honestly, like you know, detached from the line of scrimmage, um, can play. You know, the backside I mean, X for you. Again, all that his kind of pro stuff. day looked like LeBron James yeah, yeah. once again. Um, it's it's fascinating. The only other one that I wanted to bring up is the Niners. I think are still an interesting position, and um, and the whether that fourth pick you know if it gets to the point where that fourth pick is one where the the falcons are going like hey we really need just need a corner or an edge defender mm -hmm. let's trade down you know the niners are in a perfect position because 12 is right in that zone yeah and the niners could move up and let's say you know justin fields is there let me ask you this would you trade up to four for justin fields you would trade up to four for zach wilson in a, in a heartbeat would you trade up to four for justin fields no I think I like Fields a lot as a as a prospect, but like that's a huge and if I, I and specifically to San Francisco, I'd probably say no because San Francisco could likely make Lance or Mac Jones into eighty five percent or ninety percent of the player uh, that Fields would be better than any other team in the NFL, and so I would not give up because the Niners roster is good for sure. But it's not nearly as depth filled as it was when they made the Super Bowl, and I don't know if at this juncture in the Shanahan and Lynch era, I would give up the depth that all those draft picks would give rise to for Fields, right? Like I would do it for Wilson. I don't know, and of course Lawrence, but I I don't think I'd do it for Fields, given that I think Fields is less of a. And we talked about this along. Like Fields is more of a. Fields is more of a rich man's like Jimmy G. And, and Wilson's more of like a poor man's Brett Favre, which I, you know, there's sort of two different styles, but I almost always prefer a Favre to a Jimmy G type. Hurtful. I said rich man's. Hurtful. Do your, do your Favre impression. Maybe. <laughs> would I, would I, would I trade up for, for Justin Fields? Maybe. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, when your when your impressions are on, they're honestly <laughs> yeah, they're, there's nothing I'm, better. I'm Greg Vaughn with them though, like <laughs> I swing and miss all the fucking time. <laughs> Here's the thing: the funny thing about it is there's really nothing better that, to accompany it than a nice bottle of wine because that helps your hit rate <laughs> pretty significantly. So that, that goes to show that it's not it's it's uh, raw talent. It's not talent yeah. that I've honed. For You're not a... sitting in front of the mirror in no, the morning no. shaving doing impressions. <laughs> yeah. It's a god given gift. Did I, did I throw it to Percy on the wheel? Maybe. <laughs> uh, okay, we're going to close this one out with, by, by the way, I should mention, the draft is, I'm, there's nothing like draft season. The draft is, is so beautiful. Are we going to Cleveland? Should we go to Cleveland? No, we're staying here. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, we'll, get, we'll get Ruby's catered. Target's going to sponsor it. It's going to be a whole deal. Nice. Um, <laughs> the, the draft is amazing because it's like everything combined. It's people that... 
I, I had something in my mind. It, uh, I was going to say jerk off, and then I said it didn't work. There are people that edge over athleticism that can get excited. There are people like us who enjoy the athleticism component but love the game theory component. That's there as well. Um, there's a contract and a cap component, a trade component. It's it's fantastic. We're going to close out here with some – I can't believe I said that. Uh, they're going to be uh, – we're going to close out with playoff markets here. These are on DraftKings dot com and the DraftKings Sportsbook app are wonderful sponsors. Um, and you can go find them there. So to make the playoffs, they have both make and miss the playoffs. And these ones, by the way, the hold is significantly less on these, which is you know way better than some by of the these. By the way, explain like, that to the the novice. Well just like sort of so for example, Kansas City is minus a thousand to make the playoffs. They're plus six twenty five to miss. The break-even to make is about 91%. The break-even to miss is about 14 But the actual ones, after you divide by the over-round, is 87 and 13 So there's about, you know, let me round uh, carry the two, about 4% hold there, which means the, the book is taking. And that's like a normal break, you know, for the book. Whereas if you look at some of these draft props, I mean, the more players that are involved in there, there's, there's more like artificial probabilities. And the hold is just so much. You're talking about like, you know, per player, it's like 10%, 15% hold. So you, you really need like a huge swing in the marketplace for any middle to have, to you over. know, to, to have any positive EV. Yeah. Basically, an easy way to figure it out is just to look and see, do the percentage chance you need to break even on one side and the percentage chance you need to break even on the other side add to 100 or more, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's going to add to more than 100 in that percent difference. That's how the lights are shiny, as my dad would say. That's a very good point. Uh, so Kansas City, as you mentioned, has the best odds to make at minus 1,000. Green Bay, minus 670. Tampa Bay, all, also minus 670. And then we can go all the way down. This, I thought, was really interesting. The team least likely to make the playoffs um, on DraftKings Sportsbook is the Detroit Lions, uh, which I don't wholeheartedly disagree with. Um, it's a better – it's a more flat conference, right? And yes. like, And We're, frankly, the division that the Houston Texans play in is – Kind of a dumpster. It's not good. The Tennessee Titans are the team that I am looking forward to fading this year. In fact, speaking of, the Tennessee Titans to make the playoffs, minus 155, to miss the playoffs, plus 127. Um, we were pro-Titans last year. I know. Over, over the nine. pro-Titans. Over the eight and a half, over the nine, plus the 170 to, to win the AFC South. All those hit. And I look and I think to myself, okay, they got rid of Clowney. They replaced him with Bud Dupree, which is, uh, injury aside, a lateral move. Mm -hmm. They got rid of both their starting outside corners. They they don't have, like, their defense is already trash, and they, they got rid of both outside corners. Mm -hmm. They got rid of a right tackle in Dennis Kelly that started for them, and here's the kicker. Last season, we got a little drunk on the fact that only 50% of the highly paid running backs flopped, okay? If Derrick Henry did really well after getting paid, I'm 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 pricing in some regression there. I I think they're going to try to run him so much with no Corey Davis on the outside, mm -hmm. no Johnu Smith. By the way, I think the wheels fall off Tennessee this year. I and and all the smart team, all the teams we were talking about last week or, or last podcast, they're all in the AFC. True. Chiefs, Ravens, Bills, Colts, uh, Cleveland are all smarter than Tennessee. Like are, they're all. Better equipped to, to to deal with 2021 than Tennessee is. I have a couple that I like, and then I'm going to kick it to you. Um, I like the Seattle Seahawks to make the playoffs at minus 106. Uh, break even there is 51%. Just one of the reasons you talked about. Look, they have a top three quarterback in that conference, and I don't think he's going anywhere. Yeah. And yeah, I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl this year, but um, there are... There is, I think it's kind of ridiculous that, um, you know, that you would say, oh, look, they only have a 51% shot uh, to make it. I think it's it's closer probably to 60 would you Would you be surprised to know that Seattle has the similar odds to make the playoffs than New Orleans has to miss the playoffs? Th yes. <laughs> like, I, that, that, I, that, this is one that I not, I, I like Jameis as much as literally anybody except for Timo maybe. Like, I just don't get, I don't see it. Yeah. And there, so as you said, New Orleans minus 103. 
to miss the playoffs. That's another one that I like. Look, San Francisco is minus 167 to make the playoffs, and Seattle is minus 106. And I think that is a miscalibration um, of the market there a little bit. Um, the other one that I wanted to point out, we've talked about Washington football team. I think I like their division odds a little bit better, but they're plus 180 to make the playoffs. The, the NFC, again, I think the wild cards are going to be up seven playoff teams too. Even if they don't win the division, which Dallas is currently minus one seventy seven to make the playoffs, minus I think plus one ten actually to mm-hmm. win that division. Like, I I think Washington is in the playoff hunt in the NFC this year. I, I like that very much. Um, Give me a couple. I have two. I have two more for you. Okay. Um, as far as there are, there are some long shots. I like. Ooh. I like Atlanta plus three hundred oh. to make the playoffs. Um, I like the I like Cincinnati. Bring me a towel. Plus four twenty to yep. make the playoffs. I think I think Joe Burrow. Look, if they're not going to make the playoffs this year, Zach Taylor's going to get fired. So like it, it's 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 sort of um, one of those. Um, and then let. <sighs> so I, I love Atlanta plus yeah. three hundred. The, the Tampa Bay Bucks are going to have the highest win total in the NFL. So betting them as a long shot to win the division is you know it's it's a good bet, but it's also a long shot. Atlanta to make the playoffs in an NFC where. You know, I think there are some teams that are certainly overvalued, I think, is a, is a good one. The last one I'll say, is, this is one that I'm I'm going to buy in a little bit to uh, our friend um, Flores. I, I like Miami plus 137 to make the playoffs. Yeah, that's a solid one. 10-win team last year. Obviously, defense will regress um, some, but offense should at least give you more than they had last year. Uh, so you mentioned uh, the Falcons. I like the Falcons quite a bit. I also like Denver plus 285 to make the playoffs, not with Drew Locke, but um, with literally any other quarterback. Look, I don't want to ding Drew Locke, but I'm going to just spend the next 10 minutes ripping it. Yeah. <laughs> no disrespect, but... <laughs> yeah, ethers. <laughs> Oblivious. Someone, someone replied to me. Bad, yeah. uh, someone replied to me uh, on the, um, the Patriots uh, clip and was like, no disrespect, but who the fuck is yeah, PFF yeah, George? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The those Patriots, are my. Those, Patriots got the two best tight ends on the market. That's my favorite one. Like <laughs> guy with twenty one followers. Like well, like it's on Instagram. Is where people are like, I guess because like, people I, are vicious on Instagram. Because I I basically mute everybody I don't follow on Twitter. So like I actually have to go out of my way to like find people messaging me on on Twitter. But like Instagram, it's like Steelers fan seven eighty seven with thirteen followers, and they're all porn bots. He's like, you know, hey, <laughs> who's PFF Eric? He should be like. I should have his job. That's my favorite one. Yeah. Uh, what was the other one I liked? Oh, um, I, I thought this one was interesting. So Miami to make the playoffs is the same as New England to make the playoffs, which I think is very interesting. Um, New England and the same as Pittsburgh too, and the same as Pittsburgh. I found that very interesting. I was surprised that the Chargers um, did not. Uh, their plus 157 to make the playoffs that surprised me a little bit the, i thought the market would have been higher on them the 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 goings on of free agency only made the chiefs a bigger favorite in the afc west which even as a homer i think is a little weird mm-hmm. yeah i agree with you like i think the chargers answered some questions in free agency that we all had about them not to say that that means that they're like going to be good or anything i'm just saying like did they address the line yeah um, did they address tight end? They got Jared Cook. Okay. Um, they cut Casey Hayward. There's some stuff that's negative there, but I don't think their odds of winning the AFC West should have gone down right. over because of the uh, free agency. And I'll give you one more. I think Carolina plus 225 makes playoffs. Teddy? Is, it's buying into Teddy? I'm not buying into Teddy. I'm buying into Teddy slash the probability of them trading up for a really good rookie yep. and Joe Brady. All right. Uh, that was a lot of fun. That was our podcast. We'll be back on Sunday. You will be... Will you be broadcasting from a Target? I will be in St. Paul, Minnesota. Yeah. So can you go to a Target and I feel like I could. Yeah. We could, we should have it sponsor the show. Come and get us. I know that I know the two for one drafts guys lament about how the content on their podcast is like unsponsorable. And like you ventured into that like 10 minutes ago, Mm -hmm. but like, I feel like we we are this wholesome podcast oh, that Target could sponsor. Absolutely, like sit next to like a Barbie doll or something. You know, sit next to a DVD stand and Barbie dolls. I, and, I was going to ask you this: What's if you when you think of Target, what's like the quintessential thing? A Coca Cola T shirt. <laughs> you know what it is for me? It's the. <laughs> this is going to sound so mean, but it's the piece of art 
that's like you know that's yeah. like obviously mass manufactured but made to look like if you walked in someone's house you'd be like oh that's kind of cool yeah, yeah, you yeah. know and it's just like utter dog shit it's like a fucking flamingo or something yeah. but but you have to understand the incentives in a frame if already, i'm buying if i'm buying art, touched by every kid that's ever walked if i'm buying art i i can see why that art's because 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 if you, i'm buying art i'm buying it online yeah but not only that but you're also not you're either buying like a really expensive piece of art that will that will impress Chris, everybody, or you're buying a piece of art that's going to impress like the minimal amount of people, and you're just writing George off. Like, look, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy this art from Target. He's not George will tell the difference, but at this point, I'm letting Jesus take the wheel on that part. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the art's weird, right? Because you're not gonna because if you unless you go all out, you're not gonna satisfy like the 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 top end people. Let me give you a pro tip little interior design Jeez. don't buy art yeah don't buy art buy plants oh yeah because plants are real it, because you don't you don't have to spend like a million dollars to get a decent looking plant and uh it will make your it will it will up the scale buy plants and uh nice oil diffusers <laughs> <laughs> don't invest in nfts candles and oil diffusers baby all right that was our podcast love you see you guys